Hello, my lovelies. You are now listening to The Vow, Voice of Women. The intention of this podcast is to empower women through sharing of real life stories. We have a fab lineup of inspiring, kick-ass, real, dedicated women. We're going to get down and dirty. What has made these women successful? What makes them tick? How do they handle conflict? And what might they eat in a day? So here we go. having me. I'm so honored to be here. Oh, and I'm so honored to have you. So let's chat about your name because it's a beautiful name. I've never heard it before. Ace Takomi. What does, what does your name mean? Well, I've heard a few different kind of translations, but I would say the most common is calling thunder. And so I was told that it's a name that comes with a little bit of responsibility. So my uncle named me and he told me that when I hear the first thunder in spring, that I'm supposed to tell an elder and we have our spring ceremony. So I always try and keep that in mind when spring comes. Uh, it's beautiful. Well, it's a beautiful name. And uh, so thank you for, for sharing with us the meaning. So I am sitting here with a real live princess. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure you remind your friends and family of that all the time, don't you? <laughs> I try. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. So Ace Takomi was, and I don't know if you, if you are always, uh, Calgary Stampede Princess. And can you um, share with us, before we dive into that, Share with us a little bit about your family and where you grew up. Yeah, so I mainly grew up in Calgary. I did live in Edmonton and Strathmore for a couple years, but that was when I was a little younger. So yeah, mostly in Calgary. I lived in Sixaga in 2018 and a little bit of 2019. So that was sort of when I was princess. Had to move to Calgary because the distance was just too much with traveling to events all the time. And yeah. And do you have siblings? I do. I have three sisters. I have an older sister and two younger sisters. My youngest sister is five, turning six. So (laughs) I never thought I'd have a younger sister that that young but yeah I love her and I always try to be a good role model for her uh and I there's no doubt in my mind that you are wow your your mom four sisters four girls right (laughs) way to go mom (laughs) so let's talk about some of the traditions that you practice um that your parents and grandparents have also practiced because um Astakomi for our listeners um you know grew up in Alberta indigenous background and when I think of indigenous I think of really deep rooted traditions. And so share with us what that looks like within your family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so my grandma is definitely my biggest mentor. She knows so much about our culture and I always look to her for guidance on that. So I've been dancing powwow since I was about four years old. My grandma thought it was just like gonna be a phase, but you know, I still dance and I'd say that was probably the biggest tradition that I've kept. My parents, they don't they don't dance or anything like that, but we do go to a lot of ceremonies. Um, I think mostly it's just me and my grandma that really take that in, which I admire because my, my grandma did go to residential school 
And so for her to keep on passing on these traditions is really good. And, you know, I know that's not the case for many people. So I'm really grateful that she was able to share this with me. Uh, well, and just you saying the name residential schools, I felt emotion come over me. And uh, there, um, yeah, it's, it's hard to think about what has happened. And um, with the recent news in Kamloops and now, you know, more findings. And so share with us um, how this has, this new information that's been brought to light, how this has affected you and, and maybe your family. Yeah, well, you know, it's really heartbreaking, I think, for, for many people. And I can't imagine, you know, residential school survivors, what they must be feeling going through this. And, you know, even before then, a lot of this trauma is passed on through intergenerational trauma. And, you know, we see that in our community to this day. And, yeah, my heart goes out to them. I know it's it's really hard and, you know, it must be must be hard to hear this all, you know, coming about again, because I know a lot of people probably try and forget, but, you know, having these findings recently is, yeah, not, not, not good. No. And are you talking about it amongst your friends and your family? Is this something that, um, you know, that, that you are talking about, or is it something that you don't talk about or how are you handling that? Yeah, I talk about it with my friends, um, you know, just how horrible it is to must have gone through that. And, you know, it's shocking to know that this, you know, this is part of our history. Um, I don't talk about it too much with my grandma. I think it's, um, you know, must be hard for her. And I imagine for a lot of other people, too. I try and educate others in my community. You know, I work for the town of Strathmore, which is very close to the community that I'm from and so we're trying to do a lot of bring a lot of awareness to the community because so many people don't really know and we're actually doing an event on Canada Day so you know kind of a memorial for it and bring awareness to it. And you know here I am sitting here and I am born and raised in Alberta and um, actually grew up um, and my father preached in Hobima and the Indigenous community has always held a really near and dear place to my heart. And, um, but like, what can we do as community to get involved and support um, the Indigenous culture through this time? Because I think it's easy for, you know, politicians and there's a lot of lip service, I think, going on and, and, and apologies. And an apology is great, but, but what else can we do well, I would say the number one thing is just to be kind. And, you know, you'd think that it's kind of common knowledge to treat other people the same and not to judge, but I think sometimes people forget that. You know, it's so easy to judge and to, you know, say, oh, why don't you just do this or why don't you get over it when you don't know? So maybe, you know, try and think about all these things that, you know, our history and, you know, it is easy to make these judgments when you don't know, when you're, when you are uneducated. So I would encourage them to, to learn more, learn about our culture. I know University of Alberta has a really good course on Indigenous history and it's free to enroll. So yeah, I would definitely encourage that. Learn more, be nice, and you know, just try not, try not to judge when you don't know. 
Well, education is power. I believe that. And, you know, I think that that's a, a beautiful opportunity for people to understand um, the history of the Indigenous culture. And even admittingly, when this news came out in, about the findings in Kamloops, uh, even though I've been born and raised in Alberta and around Indigenous people, I felt this need to want to learn more. Like, why did this happen? What caused this? Um, what do we what what do I need to know to make sure that this never happens again? And so I felt this need to want to educate myself. It's too bad that I didn't do that prior, you know, uh, and sometimes circumstances and incidences in life create more awareness. And so I'm I'm so sad and I have all of these emotions that I feel when I when I read when I read about what happened and then the atrocities that happened to the indigenous people throughout the 1900s, the late 1800s. However, it is bringing awareness to your culture and what can we do better in society to make sure that this doesn't happen again. Definitely. Yeah, like I, you know, I grew up mostly off reserve and going to schools where, you know, even I wasn't really taught a lot about our culture. And so when I did go to school on a reserve for I graduated there for grade 12 and, you know, it made me realize how much I missed out on, you know, learning about my own culture. And, you know, I, I heard all the time, you know, negative stereotypes. And I feel like that's so damaging to non-Indigenous people's perspective, but also to our very own perspective of ourselves. So. Yeah, I definitely, I think it would really help us out in the long run if this was taught in school mm -hmm. or if parents taught their children. Yeah, I agree. I think there has to be more history around that because it's, it's local history. I even think of, you know, being in school and, and I actually recall learning more about American politics than I did Canadian politics. So I think that that's a beautiful idea to have it incorporated into our education. So let's talk about being a princess because our listeners have this probably certain um, idea of what that looks like. Uh, obviously, you're a very beautiful, uh, accomplished young woman. Uh, so how did this start? How do you become a princess? What do you have to do? What is the commitment? Like, tell us all about it. For sure. Yeah. So I'll tell you about my experience, which I, you know, if you had asked me three, four years ago or any time before that, if I wanted to be a princess or if I could be a princess, my answer would have definitely been no, because I grew up with a lot of anxiety and I was very shy and quiet and I just couldn't see myself, you know, talking in front of people or, you know, in that type of role. Although, you know, with my last year of high school, I, you know, I graduated and it made me realize that I can do a lot more because that was something that I really struggled with and I thought that I wouldn't be able to do it at least for a really long time, but I did it and I did graduate. I graduated with the Governor General Award for Highest Academics. So, you know, I accomplished that and more with that. So thank you. What an accomplishment. <laughs> yeah. So it really, you know, it boosted my confidence being able to do that. And then I, I got a job interview for the Indigenous Liaison for the town of Strathmore. And, you know, going into that role was a little scary, too, because I imagine you're probably going to have to talk to people. You're probably going to have to teach people and interact with people. 
but I was really intrigued with the idea of it because you got to share about your culture and you know you're making the community more inclusive and I got to represent Six Siga. So, you know, that I thought, okay, well, I'd be willing to step out of my comfort zone if it was if it was for that. So, you know, things were going really well and one of my friends had told me about the Calgary Stampede First Nation Princess. Um, they're taking applications and you know I thought about it at first and I was like hmm couldn't be me <laughs> probably not but then another person told me about it and someone tagged me in on Facebook and then I started thinking about it more and more and more I thought about it for a really long time um, and then I decided you know what I think that is something that I would like to do represent you know not just Six Siga, but Treaty 7 and Calgary Stampede, I think that would be, you know, a really high honor for me. And yeah, I just, you know, I love teaching about my culture. So it really spoke to me. And I started telling my friends, my family, you know, that I wanted to do this. And of course, they're supportive. But I did have a comment say like, oh, are you sure you know, want to, you want to wait till next year? Because they know me, they know that I'm quiet and I'm shy. So you know, I thought about that too, but then I just, something told me inside, you know, you should just do it, and I thought, okay, well, if I do it, then, and if I don't get it, then I still have the experience for, for next year, so, you know, I started the application process, so with that, there are a few requirements for it. You do have to be from Treaty 7, you have to have a high school diploma or equivalent. Um, I think you have to have a driver's license. There's, you know, a lot of driving that goes on with that. And there are some other things that would help you out in the long run, like knowing your native language, uh, basic writing skills. I am by no means not fluent in Blackfoot, but I do know some. Come and... on, you're not fluent in Blackfoot? <laughs> no, one day maybe. <laughs> and... Um, you know, know some basic writing skills enough to get me by. So yeah, I started checking off all the boxes and then we had to write an essay for it, which is based on Treaty 7 and um, yeah, just Treaty 7 knowledge and you can, you know, kind of tell a little bit about yourself. Once the application is accepted, then we go to orientation where, uh, you know, you get to meet the other girls competing for this role. And they kind of just give you like a breakdown of what to expect, what your commitments are. And so this was, you know, very intimidating going into because you get to meet the other girls and there were five other girls, so six of us. And I did know some of them, which was made it even more intimidating because I know these girls are great. <laughs> And then I find out that I'm the youngest person and then, you know, kind of some self-doubt started creeping in a little bit because, oh, wow, these girls are so much more accomplished than me and, you know, they're older, a little, yeah, just had a little more experience. So, but I decided that I still wanted to go through with it. They talked about the commitments and they did tell us all that it is basically a full-time job. And I was starting to think like, oh, I have a job. I don't know how well they're going to take it if I'm not really there. Um, but luckily for me, they're really supportive and flexible. 
and yeah then we once we decide that we still want to go through with it we get right into the real kind of competition so we do a couple of um, like mingling events they're called so this is where they kind of judge you on your interpersonal communication skills how you represent and interact with people and there are silent judges there so we don't know who they are and so we go to an event and we get to meet stampede sponsors officials volunteers and we also get to meet the other girls trying for the trio so the q and p's and yeah so this was this was the part where i had to really push myself because before now i wasn't the type to go up to someone and start a conversation uh, let alone really talk about myself um, but it was really easy at this because everyone was so nice and they just wanted to get to know you so it was super easy for me to do that and uh, we did yeah we did a couple of those and then it all kind of went down on the crowning day so we started off an early morning doing doing an exam which was based on treaty 7 and calgary stampede knowledge so i did a lot of studying oh, wow, I bet. <laughs> And then we did our private interview. So this is where we got to finally meet the judges. And there were several. And yeah, they, they asked some pretty good questions. I, I don't like being put on the spot, really. But I tried my best. And I think I did all right. <laughs> um, then, yeah, then our families, everyone else started to arrive. We started off with a grand entry. We did an impromptu question, which, again, I don't like being put on the spot. So we pick a, a question out of a hat, we read it, and we think of our answer as they're reading it to the crowd. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so nervous. Uh, my question was, who do you believe to be a good First Nation role model for the youth? And, you know, there are so many. <laughs> I could name so many First Nation good role models. Um, but, you know, during that, that time, getting to know the other girls that were competing, I said that they would be, you know, good role models because getting to know them and to put themselves out there is really a lot. So, and I know that they'd be a good representation to their communities as well. Good answer. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Butter them up. <laughs> Yeah, and then uh, then we had to do a speech. Um, so our speech was about five minutes long, and our topic kind of question was, why do you want to be the First Nation princess, and what does it mean to your community? And, you know, I thought about this for a long time, too, how I would answer. Of course, I know it, but, you know, I wanted to be really honest about why I was doing it, which was because, and I struggled a lot with my anxiety and mental health and being a really shy, quiet person. So, but I realized that it shouldn't hold me back and it shouldn't hold anyone back really from doing things like being a princess or being a leader for their community or doing anything in general. So that was, you know, what I, what I talked about. I wanted my platform to be about raising awareness about mental health and that and to show other people, mostly young girls, that they could, you know, still be a princess and still be, you know, quiet and, and shy and have anxiety or struggle with mental health, that they could still do this stuff. 
And, you know, I never really, well, me growing up, I never really heard a lot of, you know, leaders or role models really talk about anxiety or mental health positively. So I try to talk about it as much as I can in a positive way, whenever, because you just never know really who's listening. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we had to dance. So they do judge us on that, which is, you know, that was probably the easiest part. I wasn't nervous for that. (laughs) Maybe a little. (laughs) Uh, and then yeah then we got right into um, tallying up the points which was very nerve-wracking we got to eat I probably didn't eat I was too nervous (laughs) and yeah then they called us up on stage they did a little drum roll and to my surprise they said my name and you know I was in complete shock really I remember watching videos of myself and like my reaction is so downplayed but inside I was like screaming you know I can only imagine (laughs) yeah it was yeah it was just more in shock and disbelief than anything um yeah I was extremely grateful and to see my family you know their reactions and just to know that I made them proud was was really good wow so you're you're standing there you have your family there there's probably a lot of screaming and celebration and and then you're like what are you thinking what's going through your head okay I've won and were you thinking I have a lot of work ahead of me definitely my first thought was actually oh my gosh they're gonna make me do like some kind of speech now like a thank you or something like that they didn't thankfully Um, But they did throw me into an interview right away. (laughs) And so that was my first official interview. And my my grandpa recorded it, actually. And I hate watching it because it's my first interview and I was so nervous. But, you know, uh, learned a lot. I think I'm a little better now. I'm sure you are. Well, you're doing a great job. Thank you. (laughs) So when you're kind of, we'll call it crowned, uh, the princess, what when is that and then when does your when does your role start for stampede is it like immediately after and then how long are you a princess for or for that year like you know what how long are your obligations for yeah so usually this happens in september and we start right away i think it was like the next day that i started doing interviews i probably did maybe five within two days uh started off early mornings which yeah they throw you right in there but you know better better to start early right yeah so and it's about a year long uh rain until the next uh, september so and we go to about 400 events a year Wow. and i remember yeah i remember oh them gosh. telling us this um during orientation i was like how is that possible, possible. <laughs> there's 365 <laughs> days <laughs> how does this work um and then i was told that we do about 100 events during stampede ah uh, okay that mm-hmm. makes sense yeah so about 10 a day which is which is crazy we started off with a lot of early mornings and late nights uh but it was so worth it you know yes i was tired sometimes but always woke up feeling good and went to bed feeling good about it too. Well, and I I remember it was, I think two years ago, I was uh, at the rodeo. um, Maybe it was three years ago. You were 019, right? Yes. So maybe it was 018, but um, I had the opportunity to meet the princess when we were kind of down uh, watching the rodeo kind of on the ground. And I, you know, she was just, you know, her hair was up and she was just 
beautiful and she was in her traditional indigenous it was almost like a robe or it was Mm -hmm. just so stunning and the spotlight was really on her like everyone was looking at her everyone wanted to meet her so you really probably felt like a little bit of a celebrity didn't you yeah they definitely make you feel like royalty that's for sure and yeah stampede was definitely a big highlight for me you know, going from being scared to speaking in front of a classroom to doing the grandstand greetings, which is in front of 30,000 people, definitely a big accomplishment for me. Huge, because even sitting here, I can tell that you're quite reserved. Yes. <laughs> um, but you're very well-spoken, very articulate. And so this was probably such a great platform for not only for you to advocate for the things that you believe in and your traditions, but also to kind of you know, come out of your shell a little bit more, it sounds like. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Like sometimes people tell me it was like night and day for me, wow. seeing me at the beginning and then at the end. So yeah. And, and Stampede did help me out a lot. We did um, a lot of public speaking, media training, uh, etiquette training, horse riding. So yeah, they, they, they helped me out with all that to make sure I was good to go. And I'm sure your family was, it sounds like they were very supportive and very proud of you. And uh, what was, you know, how, what was that like for them and, and that process? Yeah, my, I know my grandparents were super proud of me. I, I made this joke at my, uh, like my, I guess my farewell speech that my grandparents tell me that uh, anything is possible. In fact, I think they might have handed out more postcards than me. <laughs> Because I, you know, we hand out a lot of postcards, but there my grandma was or my grandpa was giving one to the the grocery store person and just, yeah, they were really proud. Oh, that's so great. And your sisters, what, what, how did they, I mean, obviously your five-year-old sister (laughs) was, probably didn't really understand much, but, um, you know, what about your older sisters? Yeah, I know they were proud of me too. Um, it must have been a lot too because I actually, uh, you know, I was with Stampede all the time. We traveled a lot. And so it was kind of hard for me too to be away from them all the time. And especially because I'm pretty close to my parents and my sisters. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, and, and you were how old at the time you were crowned? I was 19. Wow. So young. Yes. <laughs> wow. So you like had just fled the nest and now you're you know, a stampede princess doing all of these speaking engagements. I, I picture it almost like, I, you know, I don't even know if it's on anymore, but I used to watch Miss Universe, right? Mm-hmm. And you have all these girls from all over the country. And some of the things that you were saying that you had to do, you know, a speech and questions they had to do. And then, yeah, it just seems like they just start gallivanting all over the world after, you know, it's like it's it happens so quickly, it seems. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we got to travel a lot too. I went to Paris and Australia, so that was a really big thing for me. You know, I'd probably never get that opportunity if it wasn't for Stampede. And so I got to dance in front of the Eiffel Tower and the Sydney Opera House. Oh my gosh, I just got shivers. Yeah, and you know, like I don't know a lot of people have done that. So yeah, it's, uh, I miss it. Oh, I'm sure. And so you're you're crowned for one year and then you relinquish your crown to the next princess Mm -hmm. and is there still any obligations that you have like kind of passing the torch or is Mm -hmm. it done or are you still involved at all or how what does that look like yeah so we're all alumni so we are still kind of involved um 
you know, how much you want to be involved is totally up to you. You know, you could totally step away if that's your choice. You probably won't want to, though. <laughs> I know that was my choice. I, you know, I had so many opportunities and met so many great people. And especially with the committee, I, I just couldn't part with them. So I did decide to join the Calgary Stampede First Nation Princess Committee. So I do their social media, I help with wardrobe and any way I kind of could for, you know, our current princess, anyone who who intends on implying. So yeah, I'm I'm happy to be a part of it. Oh, I love that. Well they're so honored to have you because you have firsthand knowledge and can really help the new princesses that are probably feeling very similar to what you did. Uh, even if you don't suffer from anxiety or depression, I mean, that is still, it's still a big role. I think anybody would be nervous. So kudos to you for staying on and being that kind of role model for these young girls that are, are coming up. Thank you. Yeah. So what would you say to any young women thinking of applying for this type of role? Well, I would say just go for it. You know, I had a lot of doubt myself and, you know, even with, you know, someone telling me who knows me, telling me like, maybe you should wait till next year. I say just go for it. You know, even if you don't get it, you get the experience from it and you learn for next time and definitely try and take it all in. Um, you know, there's so much to learn and I wish that I, you know, got to take it all in when I was running for it or when I was princess. And yeah, I find myself reminiscing about it a lot too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I can see why. I mean, what a, what an experience to go, to go through and to have in your life and to be able to maybe tell your kids someday and, and, you know, uh, pass down those traditions. Um, it's just a really beautiful story. What is some of the best advice that your your parents or grandparents have given you? Good question. <laughs> there's there's so much that they've, you know, told me that I always try and keep in the back of my mind. My I would say education is a really big one. My grandparents always tell me to pursue that and and I know that because, you know, I want to show that we're educated in you know, back then, Buffalo was our, was everything to us. It was our way of survival. And now, today, our education is our new Buffalo. And mm -hmm. that was something that I always tried to say, too. Uh, another thing that I always said during my reign with the Calgary Stampede was that there's always more to do and more to learn, especially with each other. So, yeah, I, I always tried to learn from, from each other, and especially with being with Stampede, you know, because I was representing not just my community, uh, I was representing Treaty 7. So I tried really hard to learn about these other communities too and represent them well. I love that education is our new buffalo. That's so great. Yeah, my grandma, we she actually made me um, a traditional outfit. So I danced fancy and she made me an outfit during my reign, which had the buffaloes on it. And that was, you know, that was kind of the story behind it that I always told. I love that. That's beautiful. I want to meet your grandma. She sounds amazing. <laughs> she sounds like she's like also a lot of fun. Oh yeah, she definitely is. She uh, definitely a lot to live up to. My grandma, she was the first female chief in Treaty 7. So oh. yeah, she kind of set the bar for me. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. What a great role model to have in your life. Definitely. And what would you say you're most proud of about your culture? Hmm. There's so much to be proud of. I, you know, 
like I said before, with uh, with your, I guess, what's the word? Your self, my self-esteem was a little low, and sometimes I felt ashamed because, or of where I came from or who I was, just because of the negative stereotypes that I hear so often. And of course, that's changed. You know, I'm so proud of who I am in my community. In fact, you know, if you were to ask me what I'm most proud of, it, it'd be that I'm indigenous, that I'm Blackfoot, that I'm from Sixiga. So yeah, just my culture in general, I, you know, I love how we can come together and it's, it's beautiful. And I love telling people about it and teaching others about it. There's so much to share. Oh, I love that. And, and I, I can feel that from you. Like I can feel the pride when you speak about, um, you know, your family and the traditions and, you know, your upbringing and where you're from. And I think that that's a really beautiful thing because there's a lot of people that can't say that they're proud about, Mm -hmm. you know, their, their past. And so you've really embraced that. And I think that that's just really beautiful. What have you vowed to yourself in life? Mm. What have I vowed? Well, I would say my vow is to keep trying, keep pushing for more because, you know, with graduating already and being the Calgary Stampede Princess, I used to think that maybe that was the highest I could get, the, the most that I can do, but I know that there's there's more for me out there and I just got to keep trying for it and more will come my way. Oh, well, there is no doubt in my mind that you have a, a beautiful and accomplished life ahead of you, Astakomi. And we always like to spotlight a charity of choice. And I'm wondering if there's a charity that you would like to spotlight today. Yeah, so with the residential school situation, I thought it would be very fitting to choose my the charity as the Indian Residential School Survivor Society. So they help uh, residential school survivors and um, their families with their, with their trauma and any kind of services. Oh, that's beautiful and very fitting. And thank you for being so uh, gracious in in talking to us about that today. I know that, uh, you know, when we decided to do this podcast, uh, I I don't believe that this had even been in the media yet. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't the focus of today, but I, I do believe that awareness is talking about it. And we don't ever want to get comfortable with what happened, but we want to be comfortable talking about it because it's awareness and it is a genocide that happened in our own country. And so I'm really grateful that you were willing and wanting to talk to us about that today. Yeah, I'm I'm glad that you asked. I know so many people kind of, uh, you know, dodge it or they don't want to talk about it because it is uncomfortable, but it should be. It shouldn't be, you shouldn't be comfortable talking about this. That's right, yeah. Well, thank you, Astakomi, for coming and again like just sharing with us your history of your culture and what it's like to be a princess and where you're from and your vulnerability and i'm just so honored that i got to meet you and share my morning with you so thank you thank you so much Thank you for tuning into The Vow, Voice of Women. We truly hope that you've enjoyed today's speaker. We hope that they've inspired you, made you think outside the box, and given you some points that you can apply to your everyday lives. Please subscribe to our podcast, rate us, 
If there's any suggestions you can make or feedback, we would love to hear from you. Thanks for tuning in.